praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear, now to His temple draw near. Join me in glad adoration. The scripture reading today is from Acts eight twenty six to 40. How an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. Quote, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearers in silence. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotos and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. The end of the reading. So right now, <laughs> in our day and age, I think there's, there's two potential responses in a way. The one is just complete overwhelm. Like the world's just in upheaval. Everything's out of control. I don't know what's going on. And we just go into total shutdown mode. I mean, and I see that a lot. All around us, you know, people shrinking back. What do I do with all this? Not knowing, not having a, a source to trust on, uh, someone to turn to for like understanding and seeking to kind of have a foundation and equilibrium. I mean, people are becoming unraveled. And I, and I understand why with everything happening in the world. But I also think there's another response, and that is to, yeah, there's that upheaval, there's a sense of everything around us, the chaos globally, locally, in every way. But to see all that upheaval in the midst of all that upheaval, to see it as an opportunity. Because I truly believe right now there are unique opportunities to share the good news of Jesus, and the people are actually more open to it because of 
all the upheaval they're feeling. I mean, you know, so many of our, our usual things, you know, with COVID, with smoke and fires, with us, I mean, just all around us and all the different impact, uh, life is totally different right now. And yet in those differences and in those challenges, I believe there's opportunity to speak in and share the good news of Jesus. This is one of those weeks, more than perhaps any other in my 22 years now of being a pastor, where it was like, I think I should chuck the sermon that I planned. And on Wednesdays, I was processing that prayerfully and whether to pivot. I felt God's call that this is exactly where he wants us to be. Right here, learning about what it means to share Jesus and the off-road opportunities that are presented to us every day. And in this message, we're going to look at the model of Philip and how he does that, how he shares Jesus uh, with an Ethiopian eunuch that he encounters along a road and what it has to say for us in terms of the opportunities that we have to share Jesus. So in the insert and on the screen, uh, Acts 8, 26 to 40 is where we're going to be this morning and the off-road discipline of sharing and witnessing. There it says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Lord God, we pray that you would speak to us uh, in and through your word today. Challenge us, change us, mold us, and shape us after your image, and encourage us, Lord. Embolden us through the power of your word today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What I love about this passage is it tells us about the unhindered gospel of Jesus Christ, that God has the power to break down barriers that might impede people from receiving Jesus, uh, cultural barriers, uh, barriers of time, space. I mean, all kinds of barriers are overcome in and through this passage and this witness. And it obviously comes at the Lord's leading, 
but also Philip's availability. If we look at the early part of Acts 8, Philip is in Samaria and he has uh, experienced this revival there in Samaria where people are coming to Jesus in droves. It tells us that Philip was witnessing publicly there in, in Samaria and uh, Samaritans are coming to Jesus. We're told they're accepting Christ, being baptized. There are people being healed. There are demons being cast out. And Philip is basically the, the spearhead through whom God is working to bring about revival there in Samaria. Everything's going great. And you would think Philip would be like, yeah, this is great. Let's stay here. The Lord's working. And all of a sudden the angel of the Lord says, Yeah, things are going great, but we're going to go do something else. And he sends Philip on a divine appointment on this road south of Jerusalem towards Gaza, this lonely road, to go and have a divine appointment there. We do the math initially, and I'm thinking, why leave Samaria? Things are going great. Your ministry is going great, Philip. But God has a different plan. And thinking about math here, it's kind of a shift from the addition that was taking place in Uh, Samaria to the multiplication that would take place through this one life, this Ethiopian unit coming to Jesus and then going and sharing Jesus in Africa, in Ethiopia. Philip, open to the Lord's leading, hears God's call, and we see a divine appointment take place where he connects with this Ethiopian and points him to the meaning behind the passage of Scripture he's reading. And throughout the passage, there's just a lot of principles, models for us to follow. But the most important thing, I think, underneath that is saying there's really kind of an illogical priority or quality here. But, you know, Lord isn't just about numbers of people. He's about quality of people and transforming lives so that that transformation can continue on. And the church today is still be able to, is important to focus on the transformation of individual lives, calling people to discipleship, and then hoping those people mature in Christ and go on and be multiplied into another kingdom sharer, good news sharer. That's what we seek to do. Why? Because it's both the Lord's way of sharing about Jesus, but also because it's the greatest adventure known to human beings. There is no greater adventure than sharing Jesus personally, one-to-one and with other people, and seeing God take over and do his work in those people's lives. Uh, Sometimes, I'm sure like you, I forget what an adventure life is called to be in the adventure of faith and following Jesus. So on occasion, I wear my t-shirt that just says adventure on it. And in those days when I just don't really want to wake up to life and get engaged with people and, and the opportunities that are there because I feel overwhelmed or just tired or weary or whatever it may be, sometimes I put my adventure shirt on. I often wear it when I don't want to get up and go for a run in the morning because like, okay, I need adventure today. Get me out of Empire Mine and going for a run. Let me embrace this day. But more than that, the life of faith is an amazing adventure. Sharing Jesus. Obviously, with the pandemic, we don't want to be contagious in terms of COVID. But we want to be contagious in terms of our faith. Finding ways to give it away so that other people receive it and then ultimately share it. So in an amazing kind of juxtaposition, in the midst of this revival taking place, the angel directs Philip to the desert road. And immediately, if we were Philip, we might ask, why? 
Why would he leave such a fruitful ministry to go and spread uh, the gospel to just one person? Well, again, it's because of multiplication. And this person, uh, historically, we are told, the Ethiopian eunuch would go and share the good news in Ethiopia. And basically, people would come to Jesus that way. But also for us, it's because people in our day and age are thirsty for good news. I mean, our, our culture, our world is just drowning in bad news right now. So as good news people, we have something good to give away and share. And the good news here is, in any one situation we go into, like this passage of Scripture, God precedes us and has been working on those people's hearts and lives long before we got there. So the good news for Philip, for us, when we think about sharing and witnessing is, it's not something we get started. It's not something that we initiate. It's something God is already on the move at work in people's lives. And I get to join him in that great adventure of getting to be a part of God's work in other people's lives. But it does take a resorting of priorities that doesn't seem very logical at first. It actually seems illogical. To sometimes, you know, go away from a crowd or a group and, and focus on the one. But in Philip having responded to God's initiative here, we see the fulfillment of Acts 1.8 where people would become witnesses to the ends of the earth, beyond Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. Our call in this and following God's way, but also Philip's model is this. We are called to a, a great commission, not a good commission, But a great commission. We're told in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That call to make disciples is about investing in other people's lives, being rooted in God's spirit, and empowered through his word. We're going to talk about today. And in that invitation, we see our following this off-road discipline of looking for opportunities and situations each and every day to share Jesus. So once more, the initiative in all this, the inspiration of the encounter is the angel of the Lord or then the Holy Spirit. We're told the angel of the Lord told Philip to go south to the road, the desert road from Jerusalem to Gaza. But then notice that the spirit, once he's there, tells Philip to go to the chariot and stay near it. Why is it first the angel of the Lord and then the spirit of the Lord? Here's my thinking on this. I believe the angel of the Lord often initiates encounters like this throughout the Old Testament, right? And we're familiar with the angel of the Lord moving in people's lives in Old Testament context. Well, God is taking this Ethiopian eunuch from Old Testament faith, where he's wrestling with what Isaiah 53 means, and looking at the fulfillment of it in the the New Testament in Jesus and the power of the Spirit. And the angel initiates this movement with Philip, outside of Philip, but then the Spirit draws him near to this man and getting him near to this chariot. And the Holy Spirit is very intimate, right? Our intimate companion. So it makes sense that it would be the spirit that would take over after the angel's initiative, leading Philip into this intimate encounter with this Ethiopian. And there's good news in this because God initiates these kinds of encounters, but it's really the Holy Spirit that takes over in really intimate experiences with people where we're, we're asking spiritual questions and we're, we're wrestling with spiritual matters. 
So God is initiating this. His hands are all over this. Sending Philip to go south to the road at noon. So it's a place you wouldn't want to go that's potentially dangerous. But then it's at a time you wouldn't want to go because it's in the heat of the day when fewer people would be there. Some of the mission trips I've been on uh, reflect some of these kinds of qualities. Uh, I was on a mission trip to North Africa one year where there were four of us there, and I had the opportunity to preach in a church in Sfax, Tunisia. And as it turns out, there was a whole SWAT team outside of the sanctuary while we were preaching, and we just watched God take care of us in the midst of this crazy context. I remember another experience where I was in Lebanon, and we had four of us on this mission trip, and the four of us, the only way we could fit in a taxi cab to ride around in Beirut, Lebanon, was if the three other guys sat and I laid across their laps in the back of this taxi. And the taxi driver on a mountainous road would pull into oncoming traffic on a completely blind turn to pass like a semi not knowing what was coming the other direction. So the guys that were with this, on this adventure with me would just say, keep your head down. You don't want to see what's happening anyway. We're probably going to die. Adventures of faith like that are risky. But basically, Philip, not knowing what awaits him, believes it is worth the risk because of the adventure of faith and joining Jesus on this great adventure that the Spirit leads him on. But I love that Philip, uh, this is initiated by God. The initial impulse to go, angel of the Lord says go. Spirit moves Philip to get near this chariot and stay near it. And basically what we have there is the principle of close proximity. And what I mean by that is if we're going to influence and impact people for Jesus, we got to get near them, right? Nobody's shouted into the faith. I mean, I, I want to, you know, in a way, encourage the, the street, you know, the, the, the cardboard signs and the guys on the street corner. But I, I, I haven't seen somebody shouted into the kingdom of God. But I've seen a lot of people come into the kingdom of God through intimate witness where you're joining Jesus and where he's at work in that other person's life. Philip responds to the initiative. And then we see his response and the the call to share a witness to the Ethiopian. He starts out at the Spirit's impulse or the, the angel's impulse and he goes. And then we're told that on the way he met an Ethiopian. So he follows the Spirit's leading to get intimate, connect with this guy, go near the chariot, stay near it. And he runs up to the chariot and he hears the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And then we're told he asks him if he understands what he's reading. Now, we're going to, in a few moments, hear from one of our mission partners, David Schock, and how he does personal witnessing and evangelism. But Phillips took a little bit of a different turn because Phillips one of my favorite guys in Scripture. He's obviously a runner. And he has to run up to where the chariot is, and he's running alongside the chariot. And the guy's reading out loud, and people always read Scripture out loud in that day and age. Scripture wasn't just read quietly. It was always read out loud. So he hears him reading the words of Isaiah the prophet, and in between breaths, he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And Philip's probably trying to catch his breath. But he's coming alongside this person in a unique way, joining him on his journey. And that's what we do at the Spirit's impulse. And we just ask questions. Do you understand what you're reading? Ask a good question. And see where God leads. But you know, there are several points in this where we would have not joined God on this journey. One would be, 
I'm too preoccupied right now. Things are going good, and I don't have time to go there. That would be one departure. Another departure is, okay, I see this chariot going on, this guy, but, but I don't want to get near it. I mean, Philip could have shrunk back and said, this guy's like an important authority in the Ethiopian government. The chariot probably looked pretty swanky. I mean, this is like pulling up to the Maserati or whatever vehicle that's really nice, and you're like, whoa. And there could have been a departure there. Or Philip could have heard what the person's reading and thinking, ah, God's already got this. God's already reading scripture. I don't need to do anything here. Instead, understanding the place that he had to play in communication and affirmation of God's word. Told to go near the chariot, Philip joins God's work there and asks a question of the Ethiopian of understanding. Now let's think about the Ethiopian for a moment. He is open to Philip's sharing and witness. He had already gone to Jerusalem to worship, we're told. So this guy is a God-fearer or somebody who had come uh, to faith in the one true God. It's a point, I mean, this is a long journey to go from Ethiopia all the way to Jerusalem to the temple to worship. And there would have been tremendous barriers here because as an Ethiopian eunuch, I mean, he wouldn't have been invited in to very far into the temple. But we're told in Isaiah 56, 3 through 8, that there was going to come a day and age where barriers were going to be broken down. And it wouldn't just be the Israelites coming to faith in Jesus, but the blind, the poor, the lame, the disenfranchised, those who from other nations who weren't invited in are going to be invited into the kingdom of God. So this person's coming to Jerusalem to worship may have been the fulfillment of Isaiah 56 and this invitation for others to join in and to become connected to God. He had probably been celebrating and probably at one of the four major Jewish festivals uh, where people came to Jerusalem to worship. So he's probably in this festive place and, and, and now coming from this festive place of worship and celebration, we're told that he's reading Isaiah the prophet on his way home. And if you know anything about Isaiah 53, where this passage particularly finds its home, the Ethiopian had stumbled upon, or perhaps proactively looked at, probably one of the greatest passages of the Old Testament that points us to Jesus. If you read the part prior to what was cited in Isaiah Acts 8, he would have found this, that there would be one who would come, who would be despised and rejected among men, who would be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, that we would hide our faces with him as he was despised and we esteemed him not. But surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet he was esteemed not, and he was stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, and each of us have turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And if there was ever a signpost to Jesus, it's Isaiah 53. Because you think about being pierced, punishment that brought us peace was upon him, people jeering at Jesus up on the cross. And there's only one that fulfilled those prophecies from Isaiah And here, what we find is Philip comes into this experience and is able to point the man clearly to Jesus. 
He starts where this person was at in his own searching and wrestling and that very scripture that points us to Jesus. And and what Philip does is essentially come in and and connect the dots. The man knows that that this is a powerful scripture, that's an important scripture, that that points to something uh, important being done, but he doesn't have the full picture. And so he reads that passage and he's left wondering. He recognizes that he needs someone to explain that scripture to you, to him. And guess what? There's a lot of people out there who need someone to connect the dots and explain that scripture to them. And then he invites Philip in to sit with him. Now, think about this and what the Ethiopian does. I mean, Philip's a total stranger. He's asked him one question. There's a guy running beside your chariot, trying to keep up with it, who asks him, do you understand? And, and the person says, how can I unless I have someone to explain it to me? And it's an echo of Romans ten fourteen, which says, how can people believe in one in whom they have not heard? And church... People have not heard now. We are in a a, a post-Christian culture in the sense of most people would have heard the good news or grown up in in a church and experienced, you know, in my era or your era. But now increasingly they have no foundation upon which to build. People need others to sit alongside them and, and, and explain it to them. They need those opportunities and environments that come from having coffee with somebody else, as we're going to learn about with David Schock, or having spiritual conversations in the context of everyday life, which I'll exhibit or talk about in a moment. And then they need those deeper dives of getting into growth groups and mentoring relationships and other opportunities to ask questions and and explore faith. And here in Isaiah 53, we find a wonderful passage of Scripture where where it points to Jesus and, and the Ethiopian and just needs someone to come and connect the dots for him. But do you think he would have done that on his own? I don't think so. I think he's going back to Ethiopia and isolated apart from the truth of Jesus. But then and there, on his journey, Philip comes alongside him and makes those points of connection. And that's what people need us to do. Uh, I'm sorry for you because a lot of your examples will be cross-country races this fall. I'm just going to warn you now, and I'll try to curb it with other experiences. But here's uh, my experience yesterday. So yesterday, a good part of my morning is spent down the hill where the smoke wasn't as bad at my older son's uh, first high school cross-country race. And we're watching people run by, and I'm getting to know some of the parents from Nevada Union High School and interacting with them about their kids. And some of them are believers. And, uh, and there's one experience. We're just watching all these kids come by, and, and there's a gal who I know attends Emmanuel Episcopal where one of my closest friends in ministry, Seth, is the pastor. And so we're talking, and, I, and all of a sudden it just struck me. And I just said, you know, I've watched about 400 runners come by today. And every one of them has a unique running style. Not, there aren't two that are exactly alike. And you know, to me, that just exhibits God's grand, unique design. He creates unique creature after unique creature. Not, not one of those 400 kids runs exactly alike. And to me, that points to the complexity of a creative God who in his creative design and beauty would just create each of these kids as one of a kind and run. And she says, yeah. They're all different. That guy runs kind of weird, and that gal's running this way, and this one's standing up, and this one's slumped down and doing all these different things. And then a gal who teaches locally in town but isn't a believer just says, 
yeah, that's really interesting. There's a lot of complexity there. A creative, like, all these kids are just different, and they're running differently, and that just... And, and it was almost like I'm watching the light bulbs go on for her to at least think there's an intelligent designer out there who's creating people as one of a kind. And there's a spiritual conversation taking place in the middle of a dusty cross-country race. But those are the kind of opportunities that we get invited into if we're ready to enter into them. And I love what Philip does in this, and we're going to talk about some practical ways to apply this here in a moment. But he began with that very passage of Scripture that the Ethiopian's wrestling with, and he shows, uh, he points him to Jesus. He tells the good news of Jesus. So in other words, I want to remind you, start where people are at. Join God and where he's already at work in people's life, and you'll find fruitfulness there. Celebrate the fact that God has gotten, is involved in that person's life, and he is on the scene long before you get there, and that we get to just join him then in that journey and adventure in those people's lives. And I love the way Philip does that. And, and I think the two greatest uh, sort of sources for us are found here. The Spirit of God leading him into the encounter and then the Word of God being the basis of the conversation. And I want to remind you, church, it's the Spirit of God that does the heavy lifting here. Spirit of God is at work in people's lives. He's on the move. He's changing hearts and lives. You don't change them. I don't change them. God changes them. And for me, there's an invitation there in freedom. I get to be a part of this, but it's not dependent you know, on, on me as far as I'm not the one that's going to you know, imprint God's truth upon that person's life. I can preach truth. I can share truth. But God's the one that's going to do the heavy lifting in that interaction. And for me, there's great invitation in that. I don't feel the heaviness of evangelism then. I feel an invitation to be a part of what God's doing in somebody's life. And then think about the other source of equipment here, God's word. The conversation takes place based on God's word. And along with the Holy Spirit, the word of God is our greatest equipment for these kinds of interactions. Paul told Timothy that in 2, Corinthians, or 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. He says, therefore, all scripture is God-breathed, so God-initiated, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you know that you have the equipment that you need and it's right here? That the Holy Spirit can empower you to share words of truth with other people? You don't have to create a message. Guess what? The message is already there, written for you. And it's the same old, old story that's been told for 2,000 years. Maybe you can tell it in ways that connect with that person particularly, like Philip did with the Ethiopian. But you don't have to create a message. The message is already there. You just have to share it. And you need to know that this equipment is all we need to succeed. I mentioned the cross-country thing. So uh, Josh's cross-country team was going to run up at Donner. They were supposed to do a team race yesterday. And there's too much smoke. There's no way you're going to run up at Donner right now, right? Unhealthy. But the coach pivots and finds a race down the hill at Sierra College that they can run where the air quality was okay. And at 2 o'clock yesterday, Josh found out that he was going to run his first high school cross-country race. And I imagine he was a little nervous about that. I didn't ask him about it in particular. 
But when I connected with him at 3 o'clock yesterday, or on Friday at the end of school, here's what I saw happen. He comes up, he's finding out he's going to be running this race against top-level competition in Sacramento. And the coach walks into this shed and grabs a pair of almost brand-new racing flats and comes and hands Josh these, this pair of shoes to run the race in yesterday. And I watched Josh's eyes light up that he's being given these pair of shoes. In other words, Josh was given the equipment to be able to run that race faster. In church, you've been given the equipment to run the race of faith and to serve as a witness as God's calling you to. And it's right here in God's word. Empowered by that, we can go and we can share words of truth and words of life and we can invite people to respond. And what I love about this experience is, you know, Philip talks about God's word. He points him to Jesus, but it's the Ethiopian that says, look, there's some water. Why don't I get baptized? And it's like Philip's like, okay. And he joins him in the water and he baptizes him as a sign and seal of that Ethiopian's commitment to Jesus. And guess what, church? Next Sunday, uh, Tim's going to be preaching. We have one service, one church worship at 10 a.m. And uh, we get to do a number of baptisms. And what I love about this group, five people at least, is uh, they're running the ages of 9 to 82. And uh, the nine-year-old, I was talking about baptism. He said he wanted to be baptized. But I asked him, have you ever accepted Jesus in your heart and your life? He says, no, I don't don't think so. You want to do that now? Yeah. And we got to pray to accept Christ. He's going to be baptized this next week. But then, also on Wednesday, an 82-year-old gal started coming to our church about six months ago through the invitation of a relative. Called me up, said, I, I want to be baptized. I got to meet with her. God's already at work. I get to join him there. And sitting with her, have you ever accepted Christ in your heart and life as your Lord and Savior? No, I don't think I ever have. You want to do that now? Yeah, why not? And she's going to be baptized next Sunday. That's God doing the work and are just joining him there like Philip did. I just want to encourage you, church. It's not doable in our own strength, our own wisdom, our own vulnerability. I get nervous too. Every Sunday up here, every evangelistic witnessing interaction, I still get nervous. But guess what? God is there, and he's at work, and in and through the equipment that he gives us, he can do it through us. Wrapping up, here's some general reminders. Be ready to respond to the Lord's leading. My encouragement to you, start each day with, Lord, this is your day. You made it. I'm here. Help me to join you in what you're you're doing, God. And just put your palms up and accept that he's going to orchestrate your day and it's likely to go different right now than you expected. Let's just say it. It is going to go differently than you expect right now because every day this past week there was something different about it, right? And instead of getting upset about that, how about we join him in the adventure that each day creates? That seems much better to me. So start each day by being ready to respond to the Lord's leading. Number two, get close enough to make an impact. You're not going to make an impact from a distance. You're not going to shout somebody in the kingdom of God. Get near them. Come next to the chariot, wherever they are. If you're a runner, go for a run. If you're a coffee drinker, have coffee. Uh, But find some way to connect intimately in relationship with somebody. Knowing some of your interests, work on a project uh, with them, you know, outside. 
uh, help them fix something at their house, uh, care for them, okay? Listen to them when they come through the drive through window at your work. Uh, you know, fix, <laughs> if they have an electrical issue, you might help them with that. If they love animals and they're concerned about their animals and making sure animals have a, a good home, use that as your opportunity. If you like to golf, golf with them. If you're interested in music, join a band and share, share Jesus with them that way. Whatever it is for you, find that connecting point with other people and join God there. And it just may be an opportunity to change somebody's life. Third general principle, ask good questions. Ask questions, and if you don't know what to say, just ask more questions. Do you understand it? How do you feel about it? Where do you think God is in all this? Just keep asking questions and invite opportunity and respond or, or listen. Then. And then fourth, respond when you are invited in. Philip was invited into the chariot by the Ethiopian, and guess what? He could have said no. I'm too busy. I want to go back to Samaria. But when you are invited into people's hearts and lives, see that as the privilege it is and join him there. I'm still amazed as a pastor that I get invited into people's lives and I still have those opportunities where I think, who am I to be in this person's hospital room with them right now? Who am I to get to coach these kids? Who am I to serve as a pastor? Whatever it might be, I still have those who am I experiences and I realize I am Somebody God has called and equipped through the power of the Spirit and the equipment of God's Word to do what there's no way I could do otherwise. And that keeps me in a place of humility and dependency. Fifth, show how the Scriptures point to Jesus. Help people to see that all of God's Word finds its home, finds its fulfillment, finds its ultimate truth and connection in the person of Jesus. Not just Isaiah 53, but all Scripture points us to Jesus. So find ways to connect people with God's word and help them see how it points to Jesus. And six, celebrate commitment. Because Philip's experience here of going to Samaria and then connecting with this Ethiopian eunuch is the ultimate example of Luke 15, where Jesus talks about leaving the 99 sheep behind to go and find the lost one. And what happens when they do? We're told there's rejoicing in heaven over one lost soul who comes home to God. Every time somebody accepts Jesus and the kingdom of God, there is a party. And we get to rejoice in that with whoever comes home to Jesus. That is expressed in baptism in this passage. We'll get to celebrate that next Sunday. But know that there are ways to celebrate people's commitment. Throw a party for them when they accept Christ. Celebrate the fact if they come with you to worship sometime. Join, you know, celebrate any step towards Jesus that they take because there's a lot of people that are far from God and have several steps to take, not just one. But again, it is the most amazing adventure we can enter into and experience. It's the ultimate off-road discipline. I invite you to join Jesus there. Amen? Amen.
are strong, you are sure, you are life, you endure, you are good, always true, you are Here's my 